Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd. And um, Brady, as we all know, at the center of the church's life is the call to be a robust, welcoming, hospitable community. And that call, of course, is rooted in the nature of God himself. We often talk about here at New Life that God is a community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's also specifically rooted in the gospel in which God the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, he welcomes sinners and strangers to the table, turns them into family. So this call to build community in a robust way is not tangential, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's pretty challenging, and maybe more so now than it ever has been. I think pastors everywhere are really wrestling with the challenge of how to build a robust community. So let's talk about that for a bit. What has been, in your experience, what has been some of the challenge of building community, and where does this sit for you in your pastoral ministry? Well, the American church is, we, we're getting drawn into a culture that celebrates celebrity and entertainment and entertainment-type gatherings. And so a lot of times when you come to church, you are uh, subconsciously told, sit down, listen to the songs, yep. participate if you want. Someone's going to give a really sharp TED Talk type sermon. No response needed, no engagement really needed. We want you to show up, be present. And now no pastor would say that that's what they're doing, but a lot of us fall into the trap of trying to attract customers rather yep. than build community. And so we've been talking a lot here at New Life about what does it mean to really create community, right? And since I've been a believer, I love the Acts 2 passage, yep. you know, verse 44, all the believers together, everything in common, selling possessions and goods. They continued to meet together every day. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I just love that passage, and I love verse mm -hmm. 47, and the Lord added to their number daily yeah. those who were being saved. There's something really inviting about yep. a community of people that love each other, care for each other, and that's really what has been the attractive nature of the church for 2,000 years, is yeah. people would bump into these people and realize that they were together, that they were living life together, that Greeks and Romans and rich people and poor people, slaves and free people Black people and white people were somehow finding this common ground in the church. And so we have to get back to this sense yeah. of community in the local church if we're going to reach the, the really the lost, if yep. you want to call them. And that's what they are. They're lost yeah. in our culture. And so this is a big deal to us. It's a huge deal. So by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for each other. So the church as a community is called to be this community of love and connection that fans out wider and wider, draws it draws wayward humanity into it. So, But that doesn't mean it's easy. It's such a romantic idea, but it is really challenging. So let's talk about some of the headwinds yeah. that we face in our culture. What makes this so difficult, especially now? First of all, I'm talking to pastors all over the country and really around the world, and all, most pastors are struggling with building small groups and community inside their church, no matter the size. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about pastors of 25,000-member right. churches down to 25-member churches. It's really, truly difficult. And here's four headwinds that we're walking into. Number yep. one, we're becoming increasingly tribal. We're tribal. Oh, man. And I mean, America right now is the most fractured I've ever seen it in my lifetime. We're very tribal. We tend to hang out with people who look like us, vote like us, believe like us, talk like us. Right. 
And so to find places where you can belong is becoming difficult if you don't believe exactly the way the other group believes. Yeah. And so you can find yourself an orphan really quickly if you disagree with them politically or you yep. may disagree with them on anything. Yep. Uh, we have become very tribal, and yep. that is a huge problem. Well, and it shifts the expectations of people coming to church. What they expect is that church is going to be a place that provides community for me as a kind of commodity. So can you help me find my people here? Right. People that look like me, think like me, smell like me, dress like me, all of that. And the church is not, community is not a commodity that we sell to people. Community is what we're called into. But the tribalism makes it really hard. Yeah, tribalism has taken over the church to the point where even pastors are afraid to disagree with their own congregation, mm -hmm. and they've lost their prophetic voice uh, because oftentimes it puts them in the crosshairs of conflict that they don't want to be a part of. Secondly, another thing that we're finding that's a headwind, I believe, is that we're all transplants. Right. I mean, very few of us are living in the same town. I want all the people listening to the podcast, how many of you are living in the same town as your mom and dad? as your grandparents? How many of you are living in the same town that you were born? How many of you have aunts, uncles, and cousins within driving distance of your home? Right. Very few of us are living with that reality anymore. I live in Colorado Springs. I don't have any family here right. except my wife and my two children. So we're all transplants. Uh, America has become very mobile, and that's been going on for 60 years. Yeah. So we're tribal, we're transplants. And the third headwind that I think we're bumping into is that we're just busy. Right. I mean, you think about young couples right now who have kids in sports. Their whole life is consumed by soccer practice and soccer games yeah. or dance recitals and music recitals and just a myriad of things that are grabbing for our attention right now. Yeah. We're busy. Yeah, we are. So we're tribal. We're Most of us are transplants. Yep. We don't have built-in relationships. Yep. We're super busy. But yep. there's a fourth reason, Andrew, that people are not connecting in our churches, and that's because a lot of us, we're hurt. Yep. We bring a lot of pain from past church relationships with mm -hmm. us into our new church, and we have just put up these safeguards around our lives. We yep. have literally made inner vows that we're not going to get close to church people anymore because of our past hurts. Well, which feeds the consumerism. So then people go, okay, I want Jesus, and I want to have a spiritual experience, but opening my life to somebody else... I did that once. That was really hard. So it just kind of feeds this whole dynamic that causes the breakdown of community. So I think if pastors and leaders and people who are listening to the podcast would just recognize that we're tribal, yep. we're transplants, we're busy, and a lot of us were hurt. Those are the those are four massive headwinds. They're huge. Okay, go go build small groups with yeah. that in in your face, right? Yes. Okay, so ask another question: Is and what do we really want? What are we trying to do? And yep. I I made this really really simple because I think you have to start with the simple basics. It's like blocking and tackling right. in football. You can't put together complex football plays unless you first teach your team how to block and tackle. So these are real basic things. So what is it that we really want in church? Number one, this is going to sound so obvious and so simple, <laughs> but we have to work really hard at these three things that I'm about to tell you. Number one, I want people to be greeted well. <laughs> right. And welcomed. Be nice. Just be nice. <laughs> so you, I can't believe how many churches that I personally have attended, and I was the guest speaker at some of these churches. Right. Like I'm the, ho I'm the honored guest, and I still wasn't welcomed well when I pulled into the parking lot. When I walked into the building, it was a cold, distant stairs. I mean, these were the greeters. Uh, these weren't like right. mean people. They were just greeters. They were supposed to be greeters. So we work really hard at just greeting people, breaking down. It's amazing how that initial greeting, yeah. Andrew, breaks down a lot of these walls. It does. And what I 
say about greeting in the church, make sure you have a, a real representation of your community greeting. Yeah. yeah. Make sure that you have black people, white people, rich people, skinny people, fat right. people, everybody <laughs> out there greeting. So it looks like the community, right? For sure. I mean, it looks like the rest of us. Number two, we want people to find friends and to be known in yes, the church. Right. I'm finding that the reason most people don't get the help that they need, Andrew, mm-hmm. in the church is because they don't know who to ask. Right. And we don't want our church congregation to think that pastors can solve all their problems because right. we can't. What we want them to do is find friends mm-hmm. and be able to have someone in their life that they can ask for help. Yeah. Someone that they know well enough, like if they're really struggling, that they can bring it up over a cup of coffee. Yeah. So we want them to be greeted. We want yeah. them to find friends and to be known. Yeah. I, I tell people at New Life, this may surprise people, we're a church of several thousand people, but actually if you miss church here more than two or three Sundays, mm-hmm. we will know it. Because we have section communities. Yep. We have little pockets of, of groups all throughout our building. Yep. And so we want you to be known. We want you yeah. to be missed. Yeah. We want you to be, when we see you, we're happy to see you. When you're not here, we're going to find out why, because we care about you. Yep. That's a big deal to it's, people. It's a huge deal, creating layers of community so that people are known and loved, and they feel that in their bones. So what do we want? We want to be greeted well and welcome, find friends and be known. And then we want them to find mentors. Yes. And there's a generational gap right now that's only getting bigger in our culture where people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s have no contact, no connection with a 20, 30, 40 crowd. Such a tragedy. It's a huge tragedy. And that's one of the beautiful things that we are working hard at is to make sure that we have intergenerational connection points all across everywhere in our church. So in fact, I just did something really simple the other night. At our, we had a prayer meeting at our first Wednesday, and I asked all the young married couples <laughs> who have been married less than five years to come to the front of the church. Yeah. And of course, they all got out of their seats, and they're all embarrassed, and I bring them all to the front. And I, then I said to the church, if you've been married more than 25 years, I want you to come forward, and I want you to pray for these young couples. Yeah. So I had all these couples up front that had been married less than five years, and I had all these couples come forward right. who had been married more than 25 years put their hands on them, pray a blessing over them, and meet them, connect with them right there. So it's little things like that. And and every service that we have, you have to create these connection points, which leads me to what do we do? What are some practical things that we're doing? Right. Number one, every gathering is relational. Love that. It's not a person on a stage speaking, a band playing some songs, you're dismissed, see you next time. That is killing our churches right yep. now. Now, yep. And we have some fantastic worship bands. We have fantastic speakers and presenters on the stage. And those things should be good, okay? Yep. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things well. But if that's the whole focus right. of, the, of the gathering, we're missing it. It's not a TED Talk. This no. is a gathering of the family. If we don't give the family a chance to really interact, we're not doing our job. So this is this sounds so simple, but every time you plan a meeting, somebody in the room has to say, where are we building relationships yep. in this meeting? So good. Every gathering has to be relational. Okay, number two, create, uh, I call these linger moments. Create space before during and after the gathering Mm. uh, for unhurried time. That's going to require you to provide food, by the way, or coffee. It's something really simple. Build it into your budget. You're going to need this. (laughs) So if every gathering is going to be relational, then you have to create linger moments. I call them linger. And this is a sign of a really healthy church when you, after the service is over, that the lobby is full an hour later. Right. It's actually something I pay attention to here at New Life. When people are rushing out of here really quickly, it means that they have something else more important to do, which is the case many times, or they just don't know anybody. Well, the sense of connection here is not strong enough to keep you here. Exactly. But when the lobby is really full, 30, 40, 50 minutes after the service, I know that community's happening. Right. 
But we also have to be intentional about that. Make sure there's coffee out in the lobby, free coffee, good coffee. Make sure that there's food, snacks. Make sure there's spaces yep. in your building to sit down, you know, just comfortable couches every That's once in a while. Good. Just a little place where you can stand in a warm environment and have those kind of conversations. So every, every gathering is relational. Yep. Create these linger moments with food and unhurried time. And then create fuel for the conversations. I can't tell you how many times when I'm preaching, I will say, hey, by the way, over lunch today, I'm going to give you a question to talk about. Yeah, I like that. Or, hey, this week when you're with your friends, so I'm not just speaking to married people or families, hey, this week when you're with your friends, here's a question to consider. Yeah, it's when you're with your friends. Yeah. So it's not if. The presumption is this sermon is going into or this message is going into community. It's going to live in your conversations, your relationships somewhere. Yeah, so instead of talking about video games, let me give you something else to talk about. So this is, I call this fuel for the conversation. So if you're not if you're not expecting your people to talk about your sermons then they're right. probably not going to talk about your sermons but when you say to them i want you to have conversations with one another this sermon is not designed to answer all your questions right this actually this sermon is designed to spur you on yeah. toward conversations and study and in a group community so when you say those kinds of things yeah. you're creating expectations in your congregation that they're going to get together meet and talk yep. and have relationships And then I think the fourth thing is what we probably have wrestled with, and Mm. we've spent a a lot of time, but the fourth thing is to invite and train them to lead. Right. You have to invite people to lead groups, and you have to train them. Now, the church in the last 20 years has spent millions of dollars on this, and that's the reason I I saved this to the very last, because if you don't do these other things, if if you're not aware of the headwinds you're facing, if you're not clear about what you want, then you can train and lead and invite all you want but people are not going to respond right. until they understand the powerful spiritual combustion that happens when a group of people gather together and make Jesus the center of their conversation. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the most powerful moments I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a sermon that changed my life. Right. It wasn't a worship song that changed my life. It was conversations in community with trusted people that yep. love me where I could be honest and vulnerable. And that's my heart and desire for every person that walks through our doors yeah. and in our community. Brady, all this is so wonderful. The challenge, of course, is not just building community, but thinking about how, as a pastor, I prioritize my own activity within my staff to make sure that this is an evergreen conversation. So I'm wondering what you do as the lead pastor of New Life to prioritize the building of community. Like, how does this sit with you kind of in your weekly schedule, your weekly thinking about the church, your leadership? Well, it requires margin and it requires space in your calendar if you're going to be relational. And you can't be all planned. I mean, I can, hey, today from one to two, I'm going to be relational. Now, actually, right. it requires a margin because these relational moments sneak up on you. And if you're not prepared for them, if you can't sit, if your calendar is so full that you cannot be interrupted, that you can't, that there is no place in your calendar for a 10 minute conversation with right. somebody that you love and care about, then you're too busy as a leader. Yeah. And so what I've done is, and I look for those opportunities. I'm looking for opportunities. I don't always plan them, yeah. but they simply present themselves to me all the time. Yeah. So I don't fill up all my lunch calendar all the time. Right. I don't fill up all of my space on my calendar all day long. I leave margins yeah. there for a reason. Now, if there's no, for a coffee, for a conversation, to come by your office, 
to stop by, to take you with me somewhere. Yeah. I think a lot of pastors are introverts, quite right. honestly, because our job requires us to speak and study and to be reflective and right. contemplative. So a lot of pastors are introverts. Yeah. And so it's very difficult right. just from their personality standpoint to be relational. Yeah. And so they, even when I'm saying this, they're, they're getting a knot in their stomach. Yeah, they're cringing a little bit. No, no, no. I just want to get up on the stage and do my thing and get out of the, yes. get out of there. And pastors should be prayerful mm-hmm. and studious and thoughtful about what they say. Yeah. However, if that's all that you're doing, then you're really a seminary professor. You're right. not really a pastor. Right. A pastor's got to smell like sheep. You know, we have to be among people. In fact, you can't. I don't. I don't feel like you're a very good preacher at all if you don't have stories oh, man. from your own congregation. I right. mean, if you don't know what's going on in the lives of your people, yeah, or all the, even the lives on your team, yeah, I think your preaching starts to fall flat pretty quick. I yeah. mean, it becomes very academic and not personal. Yeah, it's really problematic. I think when community becomes a department that we have rather than a way of life. The department can help us do community better, but if this is not a way of life for us, we're really going to fall down on our faces. So if you're an extrovert, everything I just said, I'm an extrovert. I enjoy being, I get fueled by being around people. I can't go very long and quiet without feeling, you know, troubled. So I have to be around people. I need to hear voices. I need to have human contact because I'm an extrovert. But if you're an introvert, I think you have to make sure that you, I think you have to be more intentional about this. Yes. What I just described to you sounds like a great day to me. Right. You know, four or five uh, interruptions in my calendar, <laughs> four or five times where I'm having sidebar conversations with people that I care about. That yeah. sounds like a really robust day to me. Yeah. But for a lot of people, that just that's just really aggravating to think about that many interruptions. Yeah. But I think you have to be mindful yeah. of it and intentional, or you'll look up and it'll be very corporate and systematized. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's a real word or not, but I made it up. No, it's a great uh, one. Systemic. <laughs> um, you can become very organized, but not very organic. Well, one of the things I've loved about being at New Life is how, even from the leadership standpoint, uh, if you're on staff here, you're encouraged to be relational. You're encouraged to be out in the community. I just took a guy to lunch recently and he said to me, he goes, you know, I can't even tell you how much it means to me that one of the pastors at a church of 10,000 people would take the time just to meet with me and hear my story. Thank you for that. So we have to, like at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are not the administrators of a large program. That's not what we're doing here. We're entering into life with people. We have programmatic elements that bring our life to fruition. But the program is not what we're running. What we're trying to do is we're trying to be a community that's running together towards the purposes of God. And if you put the cart before the horse, you'll miss it. You'll outsource community. You'll create a department rather than living community together. That's beautifully said, and I agree with all that. I think obviously leaders are listening to this, hearing something else, and that is you can't say yes to everything. I understand that. I have to say no to a, a lot of personal interaction in order to make sure I'm spending the right time yeah. with the right people, with yep. the right... I mean, I have to be careful that I don't say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes leaders swing the pendulum too far and right. say no to everything. Right. So don't say no to everything. Yeah, I, I've, I've said this many times. Uh, in other settings, I'm not sure I've ever shared it on the podcast, but it always bothers me when I hear pastors say that they don't counsel, they don't do weddings, they don't do funerals, right. they don't go to the hospital. And I always think, well, don't call yourself a pastor then. Yeah. Call yourself the CEO of your church, because that's yep. what you are. But if you're going to be a pastor, and I know you can't say the larger the church becomes, and I know this firsthand, I can't do every wedding and every funeral right. and every counseling. It would kill me. But do some yep. so that yep. you are modeling something for the rest of your team. Yep. You have to set the pace. I know, I realize that what I say is one thing, yeah. but what I do 
in front of my team. It's true. Is, it communicates something a lot louder than anything I can teach. It's true. And a lot of senior pastors are missing a great opportunity here. You drew attention to it a little bit ago. What I have found is that being in community with people has actually given me, um, it's given me a window into the pulse of the community's life in a way that I wouldn't have if I just lived up in the ivory tower. So a lot of times just being out with people, the coffees and the lunches and the breakfasts and the interruptions, I start seeing that there are common themes and threads in conversations. And I go, oh, Holy Spirit, look at what you're doing there. This is something now as the lead pastor, I need to lead into this. I need to talk about this. And so pastors, I think, can become ivory tower. They can become very aloof if they're not really deep in it with people. And listen, millennials are very suspicious of anyone they don't know. That's right. And so you better know them. You better be around them. They better know your name. Recently, I go, there was a place where uh, I frequent pretty regularly, and I go through the drive-thru, and he calls me Brady. He doesn't call me Pastor Brady. He doesn't call me Pastor Boyd. You know, he goes, hey, Brady. <laughs> and, you know, he's a young guy, and he's real he's real friendly. But I've had this conversation with him now for about six months through the drive-thru window. Yeah. And he calls me, hey, Brady. Hey, Brady. And But now he's coming to church. He's at our church That's now. That's great. Because he, he knows my name. Yes. And I know his. Feels connected. And, uh, and that, those little things like that actually can speed up the spiritual growth in a person much faster than we can imagine. That's a beautiful story. Pastor Brady, give one final charge to pastors in building community. Well, first of all, it's not easy and it has to be intentional, and it has to be imparted. Yeah, It can't just be taught, yeah. and it can't be programmed. It has to be imparted. Yeah. And i found that friendly, relational pastors produce friendly, relational churches. They do. And they really start looking like you over time, and, yeah. there's, and you can't blame any other outside force. Right. Really, our church, when they start to love you, they will start to embody your principles and your values. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm-hmm.